0: If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. I know we read it already in the uh, responsive reading. Let me just read my portion, portion again. It says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, your word. Uh, thank you for the greatest sermon that you preached, the Beatitudes, Lord. Is about declarations of um, how we are blessed, Lord. So help us to not just listen to these words, but help us to live these words out, Lord. And it's only by your spirit. And I just pray that there will be listeners here, whether saved or not saved, that they'll be impacted by it. And for those who are not saved, may today be the day of salvation for them. In Jesus' name, Amen. What comes to mind when you hear the word blessing or prosperity? Is it a huge house, mansion, all these cars, expensive clothes? Is it, you know, know, designer clothes and shoes and living in the hills? Well, according to how, you know, typically how the world thinks of what a blessed life or prosperous life is, that's what it is, right? but Jesus has a very radical view of what it means to live a blessed life. And we've been seeing this already in the Beatitudes, but this one in particular is pretty uh, strange, is it? It's kind of hard for us to really accept it, right? This last Beatitude, some say this is not one Beatitude, but two. Are there eight or or nine? That's up to you because it says blessed two times um, in verse 10 and 11. But regardless Jesus is emphasizing how blessed a Christian is when they are persecuted. Wow, this comes out as like a surprise, right? Because the other Beatitudes, it makes sense. It makes sense like, yeah, if I'm pure, if I'm a peacemaker, if I'm gentle, if I'm merciful, you know, I, yeah, I could see how that uh, believer could be blessed. You know, I could see how like, oh, if I understand my spiritual poverty, if I if I mourn over my sin, I understand how, yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm blessed. But when he says, blessed are those who have been persecuted, what? Wait, hold on for a minute. How in the world am I blessed if I'm persecuted? Hmm. Yes. According to Jesus, you're blessed. You're prosperous. You're rich. You have divine favor if you're persecuted. Today, I will be preaching to you the prosperity gospel. In fact, the Beatitudes, if you think about it, that's the real prosperity gospel right here. OK, I should have called this sermon the prosperity gospel, but you guys probably would have been tripping. and so stuff. I shouldn't play like that. Right. But the title for this sermon is prosperity in persecution. Hmm. Weird title. I hope it'll make sense to you once the sermon is over. I'll be sharing with you four ways persecution brings blessing in a believer's life. My goal is to encourage you believers when you face persecution, when you face opposition, when you're ostracized, when you're harassed, when you're bullied for your faith, Jesus says, you're blessed. For those here who are not saved, who are not Christian, I'm going to give you a real, uh, like the, a real view of what it is when you're a Christian, what you'll face. And some of you are probably thinking that this isn't a Christmas, Christmas message. Yes, it is. Because who's speaking? The gift himself, Jesus Christ. See, he was born, we know that he was born of a virgin, but he also gave us instruction on how we are to live and how we are to live a blessed life, right? And we today we will hear how we are to view being persecuted for believing in him. First blessing, persecution proves a believer's salvation. Verse 10, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says persecution results to blessing. Divine favor, God's goodness. Persecution, it, the word literally means to be chased away, driven out. The early church, that was that's what was happening to them literally. They were driven out of their homes, they were dragged down on the streets. That's what the early ch- church experienced. And the word persecute, it could mean to oppress, to ostracize, to harass, to assault, to exclude, to bully, to hate. These are words we're more familiar with, right? And then persecuted for what? For the sake of righteousness. This is talking about living according to the word of God. Righteousness, this could also mean like, you know, what Jesus was talking about previously in the Beatitudes, right? This isn't talking about being persecuted because of your political party or your vaccination status or because you're a vegan or you're a sorry Clippers fan, okay? This is talking about being persecuted for righteousness. We may think like, wow, if I'm merciful, right? If I'm gentle, if I'm a peacemaker right? You know, like, oh, people would like me. I would draw a lot of, a lot of unbelievers to Christ. Not all the time. You see, just because you're trying to be a peacemaker doesn't mean other people are trying to be peaceful with you. You could try and be gentle. That doesn't mean people are going to be gentle back to you. And Jesus does say in Matthew 5 verse 13 to 16 that we are to be sought and we are to be lights in the world so that people will glorify our Father who is in heaven. That's interesting how he says that right after Jesus talks about persecution. He's saying, hey, Sometimes you might get persecuted. Sometimes people will get converted. That's the Holy Spirit's job, right? And why does Jesus say we are to be blessed when we are persecuted? Because he says, because for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, they possess eternal life. They will reign with Christ in the eternal kingdom. That's what the persecuted get, See, persecution proves that salvation is genuine. It's not the only proof of salvation, but it is a a pretty good evidence if someone is truly saved. Because, look, a fake Christian could only fake for so long. Jesus knew this in the parable of souls. He talks about how there will be those who receive the word of God with joy. You know, they're on fire. They have a zeal when they first get saved in a way. Right. But when affliction comes, when persecution comes, when hard times come, oh, they fall away. It's the same thing. He also says this when, oh, there will be those who receive the word of God with joy and zeal and fire and stuff. But, oh, when the pleasures of the world come, oh, when the fame come, oh, if I live this way, I get all the clout, I get all the rich, I get all the comfort. Oh, they fall away. See, a real Christian will surrender to Christ in any circumstance. See, we don't hear this on the news too much because Satan is a god of this age. He's probably the god of media. But there are Christians right now. Christians overseas in prison for their faith. You'll hear about Christians if you look it up on certain websites, Voice of the Martyrs or Barnard Research. There's many websites where Christians have a gun to their head. They have a sword around their neck. They have a noose around their neck. They face the death penalty because of their faith. Underground churches. They don't have these little big church buildings like us. They don't promote, a, oh, there's a huge church service on Sundays. It's underground. There are places where this book, the Bible, is banned, burned. Persecution is rampant in other areas. But yes, I'm not saying there's no persecution here in America. It just looks different, right? It's more of a social persecution. It's probably rare or mild, but it's still persecution. And what does Scripture say? 2 Timothy 3, verse 12 says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's talking about standing on the promises of God, right? That's a promise right there. (laughs) If you're a Christian, if you're living godly, you will suffer persecution. Not saying that you'll go to jail for your faith. Not saying you'll die for your faith. But you're going to have some opposition. You're going to have some problems in your family, in your household maybe, with some friends that you have, on your job. It's going to get a little uncomfortable. Now, is it possible for a Christian to be famous or popular or be a celebrity? Yeah, But those type of Christians, they can only go so far with that status because if they're truly about Christ, there's going to be some opposition still. And some of you, you may be sitting here and wondering, like, hey, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved, but I don't get persecuted. Here, Here's the thing. If you're a Christian and you don't get persecuted, you don't get mocked at because of your faith, you don't have that cousin at the family dinner calling you a Jesus freak or you talking to your imaginary friend. If If you're a Christian and you've never had any, like, weird or awkward conversations with maybe your unbelieving friends and those unbelieving friends like, hey, I don't want to roll with you anymore. Um, if it's absolutely no persecution for your faith, okay, I'm not talking about persecution because you have a stank attitude. That's something else, all right? I'm talking about if you've never received persecution, no opposition for your faith, it is either because you're either living worldly or you don't evangelize. See, I and I know what this is like. When I was first saved as a freshman in college, you know, I, I was terrified of doing evangelism. I didn't want to share the gospel because I knew how awkward it would be. I knew I would lose friends. And I was still living a little worldly. You know, I still wanted to, you know, go here and there and do this, but still say, hey, I'm a Christian still. Okay, but eventually, you know, I just had to get, you know, bold and discipled out of that. And, and, and you think about scriptures to say, be bold, be strong and courageous, stand firm. You know, that that's what we must do. We have the greatest message, okay? The greatest need that every, anyone needs is forgiveness. And we are, we are, we're ashamed to share that good news with people because we don't want to be persecuted. Do we want to be like Christ? Sometimes that requires persecution. That's what denying yourself is. That's what living, having your body as a living sacrifice is doing. So, my brother and sister, when people oppose you for your faith, Jesus says you're blessed. When people question why you have these morals and you live so differently from the world and they say you're brainwashed, just know Jesus says you're blessed. To my teenagers who are saved or even young adults, if, if you have people saying like, oh, you know, they think you're weird because, oh, you don't cuss. You know, you don't cut class or something like that. You know, you don't do this or that. You're saving yourself for marriage. That's dumb. That's stupid. That's impossible. How would you, why would you do that? Just know that you're blessed according to Christ. God looks on you for divine favor. So when you get called a loser or a square, that's fine because God, Jesus thinks so highly of you when you're persecuted for your faith. When people malign you, for not living how you used to do. God looks down on you with favor. Do you ever get that? When you're around maybe some of your unbelieving friends or family and they remember how you used to live? Like, hey, remember you used to do this? Hey, you remember that? You know, like, why do you, you don't miss those days? You know, like, man, how how are you doing that? And they just kind of talking stuff about you. Just know that you're blessed. So persecution is a blessing because it is a proof or an evidence of a believer's salvation. Second blessing. Why is persecution a blessing? Is because persecution publicizes Christ. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. When you're insulted, in other words, when you're disrespected, when someone's rude to you, when someone offends you for your faith, revows you, humiliates you, makes fun of you, mocks you, any type of verbal abuse for your faith in Christ, you're blessed. When people persecute you, if it ever gets violent, if it ever gets to that point, Jesus says you're blessed. When people say, when falsely, when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Christ, when you are falsely accused, keyword falsely, all right? Don't say like, oh, I'm getting persecuted at the job, you know, but really you are a hot mess at the job. You gossip, you slander and stuff, and you got caught, and then you say, oh man, I'm persecuted because I'm Christian." No, that's your messy self, all right? Don't let people speak evil about you because you're doing evil now, right? All right, so, He's talking about here when you're living right for Christ and people are falsely saying things about you that are not true because you're a Christian, (laughs) you're blessed. So when you're insulted, harassed, bullied or or lied on for for your faith, Jesus says you're blessed. When people ask you how your sky daddy's doing or your imaginary friend, you're blessed. When, When that uncle says, oh, you still believe in that white man's religion at the Thanksgiving table? What does Jesus say? You're blessed. When you're a college student and you, you got to sit in that science class and the, the science teacher is talking about evolution and he's making jokes and saying Christianity is nonsense and you got to sit there and take it, you're blessed. When people make fun of you because you you believe this literally, you believe that the, the, cre- the world was created in six days, there's a talking snake, Jonah got swallowed up by a big fish, there's a global flood, there's only two genders, marriages between one man and one woman, you're blessed. Even though people might say you're just complete nonsense and it's stupid, (laughs) but Jesus says you're blessed. Why is that? Not only because it's proof of salvation, but because the name of Christ is still being put out there. There are only two methods of reaching the lost world and making Christ known. That is proclaiming Christ and the other method being persecuted for Christ. And yeah, Sometimes conversion happens when you proclaim Christ. Sometimes it's persecution. The book of Acts, if you read that, that's how the early church grew. They evangelized and they were executed. See, people always wonder, what is wrong with the church in America? You're like, what is the problem? The problem is that we don't get persecuted enough. And part of, that, part of the problem with that is that we don't evangelize or we're too worldly. You see, persecution in a weird way has always blessed the church somehow. Number one, it will purge all the false converts out. And number two, it strengthens the unity within the church between the the true believers. And see, that's why Apostle Paul, you ever trip off Apostle Paul's attitude in Philippians? You know, he's all like, hey, you know, I can rejoice in these chains. I'm locked up, you know, but ever since I've been locked up, the gospel has been spreading even more. Christians are even now more bold to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some people, they're preaching out of questionable motives. But, hey, Christ's name is being put out there. So, you know, what? I'll stay here as long as they want me to. If Christ's name is getting put out there more, hey, I'll stay in here and get persecuted because Christ is being known. That's Apostle Paul's perspective in Philippians. See, I don't know why we need to we think we need to throw down these huge events all the time just to reach out to the lost world. I don't know why we think, oh, if we, you know, compromise our morals a little bit or even our message, you know, you know, we could we could present them to Christ. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not against having events or anything like that. But sometimes we overlook evangelizing too much. Sometimes we we I think we have a low view of the power of the Holy Spirit when we just proclaim the word of God. See, sometimes evangelism is just as simple as calling your cousin, Don, say, hey, Don, say, man, I was just thinking about you, man. And I just want to talk about some real talk. Life is crazy right now. I want to share what I believe in. I want to share how you have eternal life. You know, sometimes evangelism is just as simple as like when a telemarketer calls you up. Okay, they called you. They trying to sell a vacuum and some socks. And he's like, hey, you know, I'll turn that down. You know, I don't want that. But hey, do you know what the meaning of Christmas is? You no, know, sometimes evangelism is like when you're going out to eat and before you pray for your food, when a waiter or waitress comes by and they ask like, hey, um, is there anything else? You can ask like, hey, you know, how, how can I pray for you? We you know, we're about to pray. Do you need prayer for something? And then, you know, you pray for them. and Then when the dinner's done, you give a tip and a gospel track, a good tip. Don't be a cheap brother. Some of you guys don't tip. OK, as a Christian, you need a tip and be given. Stop being stingy with your money. All right. Now, so, sometimes evangelism is brothers when you're playing video games online with some random people you never even met and you can proclaim the gospel through that. OK, after you whoop on them in 2K or you get whooped on and mad and whatever. Hey, still present the gospel to them. Now, sometimes evangelism, sisters, is when you at the mall and a brother trying to holler at you. OK, you you have routes or something or, or whatever, and they trying to holler at you. and You say like, hey, you know, um, do you know who Christ is? And, you know, you don't have to, don't give them your number, give them my number or some brothers in Christ's number. And you know what? We can minister to him and disciple him. And he might get saved and he might end up getting married. Who knows? You think God, you think, I know these, these are some innovative ways to evangelize, I know. And it's probably silly. But look, do we not think God can't save people in these scenarios? Do we wake up with the evangelistic mindset? Do we pray that, hey, God, you know, give give me an opportunity to share the gospel with someone today. You know, do we have that mindset or are we scared? And some of us say like, oh, I'm not equipped to do evangelism. If you know the gospel, you know evangelism. You know how to evangelize. Yes, you have complicated people who believe in this and that and all that stuff, but look, just preach the gospel, all right? That's what, that's what you have to do. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You could be that evangelistic you could have, you, maybe you are an evangelist. Maybe you had that gift of evangelism. But guess what happens? Guess what will happen to you? You will get persecuted. You will get turned down. You might get cussed at. You might get threatened. You might have a gospel tract thrown back in your face or thrown down on the floor. You might get humiliated. If you guys have been doing evangelism, you'll understand that's part of the game. You might evangelize. Don't nobody get saved. You ever read the book of Jeremiah? That's one of my favorite prophets. He's like the opposite of Jonah. Jonah, he didn't even want to minister to Nineveh, but a whole city got saved. 120,000 people got saved. Jeremiah, ministry is 50 years long. Nobody got saved, but he was faithful, and he's one of the greatest evangelists. See, it's about faithfulness and doing it. But here's the encouragement when it comes to evangelism. Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. This is an overlooked part of the Great Commission. Whether you're persecuted or not, when you share the gospel, Jesus is with you. Here's another encouragement. Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world will love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. Fellowshipping with Christ, suffering with and in Christ, part of that comes with the world hating you. Here's another cur- encouragement. Christ says he will build his church. and the gates of Hades' death, the blood of martyrs' persecution will not overpower it. He says this in Matthew 16, before the church even existed. it's so amazing to read back in the early church when when persecution was rampant in the book of Acts, right? But still, the church grew. This is still going on on today. See, in the Western world, where people, it seems like, are falling off in Europe and here in this country, you know, where persecution is rare or mild, people are just falling away from the church, right? But that's not the case in other countries. You see parts in the Middle East or parts of Africa, Christianity is actually growing. In fact, according to a Huffington Post article from 2014, it is predicted that China may become the world's most Christian nation by 2025, despite the heavy persecution. You see, you could be sent to jail, sent to prison for following Christ in China. Yes, you may get persecuted for proclaiming Christ, but Christ is with you. And Christ is publicized, promoted, and exalted through you being persecuted. So, this week, who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters? No. Who are you gonna call this week to evangelize? This is your homework. Don't, don't come run, run away from the sermon and talk about, oh, it is a good sermon, but it was practical. No, that's the big criticism that we get all the time. It's not practical. Well, here's the homework right here, okay? Minister the gospel to someone, evangelize. You could do it, you could do it the weird ways I shared it. All right. But remember, be prepared for persecution. Be prepared for opposition. But regardless, persecution is a blessing because it publicizes Christ. Third blessing, persecution promises an eternal reward. Verse 12, Jesus says, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. Wow, now this is probably like the top five hardest commandments to follow in the Bible, right? See, Jesus, he doesn't just say, oh, take persecution. Expect persecution. He says, rejoice and be glad. Leap for joy. (laughs) Wow, see I don't I don't desire persecution. I don't desire no trials, no suffering or nothing. You know what I'm saying? I don't pray for that. I had a seminary friend, he said, "You oh, I'm praying for trials to come in my way so I could grow in the faith." You know what I'm saying? It's like, "Okay." And a trial did come his way like a few weeks later. Uh, I'm not going to explain what the trial was, but I told him, "Hey, don't be praying that on me, okay? It's obvious God answers your prayers. You could pray for me before I get a better job, get a wife or something, you know, but don't pray for me to get a trial come my way, all right?" But here's the thing if you're a Christian, right? If you're living godly in Christ Jesus, don't worry. Persecution will follow you. Okay? It'll find you. Trials will come. You know what I'm saying? Like, hardships will come, you know? But, you know, usually when we have, you know, people do praise reports, Bible studies, you know, we don't say, like, oh, you know, I want to praise God because I got cussed at. You know, when I gave a stranger a gospel track or no one comes to Bible study with a praise report saying like, oh, man, I want to praise God. I'm just so joyful because, you know, um, I, I lost a friend because I shared the gospel with him and he, he don't want to be cool with me anymore. You know, he just cut me off. But praise God. You know, people don't do that. Right. We usually praise God because, oh, we got a new job, got promoted, you know, finished school, you know, whatever. Right. So this is interesting. You know, it, it reminds me of what James talks about. Right. In chapter one, consider it joy. We experience various trials, right? Here it's talking specifically, too, about persecution. To the early church, they found joy in being disgraced and ashamed for it and humiliated for the sake of Christ. Over and over again, the, the apostles proclaim the gospel, and then they get persecuted. And yet they still have joy. They, get, they, they go to one city, they get kicked out, they have joy in the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, okay? this is like a cycle when you read the book of Acts. But in between that cycle, what's happening? The church is growing, all right? The church is growing. Their numbers kept getting added. They saw the big picture of how Christ is still being publicized, but they also knew of their eternal rewards, which is why Apostle Paul was able to say to press on, press on, don't give up. The apostles knew that this world is not our home, okay? This isn't the home of a Christian. We don't live our best life now. I know we say that just to be funny and just like, oh, we're having a great time, and this is fun, but this really isn't our best life now, all right? This is the worst life for a Christian. If you're not Christian, this is your best life, right? But we are strangers. We're aliens. See, we have a temporary citizenship here in America. We have an, an eternal citizenship in heaven. So that is why Jesus is trying to emphasize to us here by telling us to rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. And I know it is vague on what the reward will be exactly. Jesus says it is great or it could be really translated as a lot, many, a large sum, plenty, Okay, the word in the original has the idea of a large quantity. We know that the quality is going to be good because it's an eternal reward. It's heavenly. It's something beyond this, anything this world can offer. In Revelation, the church of Smyrna, Stephen Neal preached on this in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. Smyrna was a church that was being persecuted. And Jesus told this church... That, yeah, you guys are going to go through more tribulation. I know your tribulation. I know your, your poverty, too, but you're spiritually rich. And this is a poor church, too, but they were spiritually rich. And Jesus wa- wanted them to endure and be faithful until death. And he will give them the crown of life. So the crown of life, which indicates eternal life. That's just one reward we know we'll get when we go through persecution. Whether you're, you're a Christian that experienced extreme persecution or life persecution, we all get the crown of life. See, persecution is a blessing because it promises us an eternal reward. See, as Christians, we're not to be like masochists where we desire pain or like we enjoy pain or we shouldn't be like, oh, man, let's go get persecuted. Let's go get beat up. Let's go get, you know, cussed out." You know, that's not how we are to view persecution. But we are to understand its benefits when we experience persecution. So that's what Christ is saying. Fourth blessing persecution prolongs a spiritual legacy. Let's read the second part of verse 12. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus shares that when we face persecution we receive the same treatment as the prophets of old. You get persecuted for your faith you're in good company. Think about the prophets in the Old Testament. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea, Elijah, these prophets have all been persecuted, you know, different degrees, of course. But this is to be an encouragement to us. Similar to what the writer of Hebrews talks about in chapter 11, right? The hall of faith, you know, legends of the faith, the Old Testament heroes, right? Abraham, Moses, David, Rahab, Gideon, et cetera, are listed. And, you know, the writer of Hebrews in that chapter, he talks about how some of them were saved from trials, right? They were rewarded and escaped trouble and gained victories, but he also talks about how many were tortured, Mocked, scourged, imprisoned and changed, stoned, sawn in half, slain with the sword, wandered in sheepskins and goatskins, were destitute, afflicted, tormented, wandered in deserts, mountains, and dens and caves. They all die, but God has something better for them. And then in chapter, in chapter 12, the writer talks about how we have a cloud of witnesses. So we can endure this race. We're the cloud of witnesses, the testimonies of the martyrs. You get persecuted, you're in good company. You ever watch a Hall of Fame ceremony on TV, whether it's the NFL Hall of Fame or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or you ever see go go to Hollywood, they have the uh, Walk of Fame of all the pop icons. Or you go to the Staples Center, right? You guys are Lakers fans, right? And you see the all-time greats, their jerseys are are, are hung up. Who who do you see? Jerry West, maybe Elgin Baylor, Baylor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant. We we might see LeBron James up there, right? He's prolonging that legacy. He won them a championship in 2020, right? You call that a championship? That doesn't count as a championship. That bubble, no, it wasn't, okay? But here's the idea. When we are persecuted for speaking the truth, when we share the gospel and we get persecuted, whether verbally, whether physically, whether socially, whether financially, when we are ostracized, our jerseys are risen up with the saints. We're in that same category. Who raises them up? God does. You see, the world may despise how we live and hate the message we preach, but Christ approves it. And to be patient and endure suffering like the prophets, we count them as blessed, don't we? All the apostles of Christ were persecuted. All of them died for their faith, except John, but he pretty much suffered (laughs) to the point of death. And here's the thing. See, you may be a nobody in this world. You might be treated like nothing in this world but you may be an icon in heaven in the eyes of God because you've been persecuted for your faith. See, you might never reach celebrity status. You might not have 50,000 followers on Facebook or Instagram, whatever. But you'll be justified and glorified in heaven and reign with Christ. See, be willing to be unpopular, Christian Christian. Be willing to have enemies. Be willing to be seen as the bad guy in this world. See, a lot of us young people, we might struggle with that. We want the followers. We want the clout. We want the fame. We want to be a Christian celebrity. But that shouldn't be your priority. The greatest achievement accomplishments or words of affirmation that any christian should desire is when jesus says well done good and faithful slave that's what we should desire not all this other worldly things that we want so when you're persecuted remember you're in good company you're prolonging a spiritual dynasty god has plans and rewards stored up for you Remember, persecution proves a believer's faith. Persecution publicizes Christ. Persecution promises an eternal reward, and persecution prolongs a spiritual legacy. Here in America, we need to be ready. We never know how crazy things will get. In today's age, when being biblical, when being a Christian, you have to understand that you won't be politically correct. You have to understand that the message we proclaim and live is offensive. Telling people they're a sinner and deserve hell will get you canceled. Saying Jesus is the only way to salvation to the world, that's hate speech. Standing up for righteousness will bring opposition. There may be a time in our lifetime where this book gets banned or parts of it gets canceled out and and revised. There may be a time where it will be illegal to have a church service like this. There may be a time where we won't have buildings like this. There may be a time in our lifetime where we might get sent to prison. I know these are heavy and extreme forms of persecution I am talking about, but if we cannot handle the persecution we currently get, what makes you think we'll be able to handle the more oppressive forms? You might be here today, and you're not a Christian, and you're thinking to yourself, why in the world would I want to be a Christian? You know, you telling me that I would get ostracized, You're telling me, like, I will lose family and friends. I mean, my spouse isn't a Christian. My kids aren't Christian. How would that work out? You know, maybe your job is on the line. Maybe your life is on the line. I don't know. Here's what Jesus says. This is God in the flesh talking right here. He says, the one who has found his life will lose it, and the one who has lost his life on my account will find it. See, being a Christian has its costs, and we are called to make disciples. You can't hide your Christianity. It's a public faith. It's not private. See, the Christian life isn't comfortable. It's it's adventurous. It's not in tune with the world. It's radical. So you have to ask yourself, do you want an easy life or do you want a God-honoring one? And some of us are Christians here and we want the easy life. I know sometimes I do. You know, I want the little white picket fence and the kids running in the middle of the street where I don't have to worry about crime and stuff, living in the hills and, you know, just even simple life in the suburbs and the hills and all that stuff. But for a lot of us, God doesn't call us to live that life. See, we can have these little dreams. We can have these goals. We can have a vision board. But what if none of that stuff happens to you? Then what? Are you going to, are you going to be like what Jesus talks about in the parable of the swords? Oh, I want the pleasure of the world. I don't want to live this life anymore. See, honoring God is tough. See, you can't be a coward. You can't be weak if you're a Christian. You got to be a soldier. You got to know how to take wounds and still press on. You ever see the Rocky movies? What's up with Rocky? He got his beyond whoop. Yeah, he won most of them. He had black eyes, busted open and all that stuff. That's how it is with when we're a Christian spiritually. It's grimy. It's not comfortable. And a lot of us are too comfortable. And a lot of us prioritize and idolize being comfortable. In order for you, my friend, if you're not saved, in order for you to receive salvation, You turn from your wicked ways. We all have wicked ways. We've all sinned. We've all broken God's law. In order for you to receive salvation, in order for you to have an eternally blessed, prosperous life, in order for you to receive divine favor, you have to turn away from your sins and believe in Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He lived a perfect life none of us could live, and he rose on the third day. And if you believe in that, That's how you're justified. If you live for that, you're declared innocent in the eyes of God. And yes, your life will change. But here's the thing. God has your back. God is all powerful. He has your back. You might lose family and friends. Guess what? You'll have new family and friends. You have a spiritual family. Yes, I'll be honest. They'll get on your nerves just like any other family and friends sometimes. That's part of it, right? But the spiritual relation is so much stronger than blood. It is. All right. And I love my family. No. And here's the thing. You'll have a new life. You have a new life. You'll have a better life. And although it'll be tough, although it'll be hard, the reward is worth it. And that's what it means to have have, set your minds on things above and not below. See, that's what Christmas is about. See, see, you could wear an ugly sweater. You could decorate a tree. You could give gifts and receive gifts. But guess what? If you don't have Christ, that's still not Christmas you celebrating something else. All you're doing is wearing pajamas, having milk and cookies, and listening to a Mariah Carey, okay? But that's not Christmas. See, Christmas is about Christ. So you have to decide for yourself, what's your life going to be about? Is it going to be about something else or someone else, or is it going to be about Christ? And will you, eternal, will you inherit eternal life? That's your decision. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time, Lord. Um, I know it's tough to hear a message like this, the reality that we all must face as Christians receiving persecution. But God, thank you that you give us this encouragement, seeing the blessings of being persecuted, how it's evidence of our salvation. It um, promotes your son, Jesus Christ. It also promises us an eternal reward and it puts us in good company with the prophets of old prolonging a spiritual legacy so god help us to be bold help us to stand firm help us to be strong in our faith it's not coward out and lord forgive us for denying you at times i know like myself there are times where i was like peter and kind of denied you in a way because i was scared and i was afraid and i didn't want to be bold and courageous and know, tell people I'm a Christian and tell people about your son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes I wasn't like the song we sang, "Telling on the Mountain. Sometimes I wasn't like that. And some people here probably, you know, struggle with boldness and being strong and facing persecution and struggle with, you know, moving on because they're so attached to some of the family and friends that they once had, but now they don't have anymore because of their faith. But God, thank you that you're a God of all comfort. Thank you for your mercy. And we also want to pray for our missionaries who are out in the mission field who probably experience persecution that we can't even fathom. We pray for the Choys in Fiji Islands. We pray for the Destins in Haiti. We pray for the Amis in Colombia, the Nakamoras in Japan, the Smoes in Cameroons, the Stanfords in Belize. Please look over those families and those ministries, Lord. Protect them from the evil one. When they have persecution, may you Protect them and look after them. And even our local missionaries, the Galpins and the Wallaces, Lord, may you please protect them from what they have to face. And here at Fairview, all the families here and the people here, Lord, help them to be strong in the faith. Help them to be bold and courageous. And help us to remember that when we are persecuted for our faith, that you look down on us with favor and that we are blessed. The Beatitudes is what it's like to live prosperous. That is the true prosperity gospel. That is the true way we are to live, Lord, in order for us to live the blessed life. The blessed life where it's not guaranteed for us to live luxurious and to have it all and be comfortable and be famous and just be the man or be the woman. But sometimes, Lord, you called many of us to be nobodies to the world. You called us to be disciples for you. Sometimes that requires suffering. So Lord, thank you for your word. I just pray that those who are unbelievers here will believe the gospel today. In Jesus name. Amen.